It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. What's up, Jeff? How much, man? I just thought of a dumb question. If you ever see I'll me write it down. Yeah, if anyone ever sees me making notes during the podcast, it's just because that's when I think of my dumb questions. Is when I'm in the presence of greatness, my brain just melts. Speaking of greatness, yep. Father Dufresne, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I always get nervous when Jeff starts writing during the podcast. Yeah, because you know I'm writing a dumb question. Yeah, I'm like how am I going to answer? Like, oh no, this is probably going to be mm. a really challenging question. Probably there are no easy questions here. What? Uh, there's some easy only questions. easy guess. <laughs> what what's what's been the best part of your day uh well there was mass so mass doesn't count got to see jesus which is awesome um i had work. lunch with archbishop thompson and several of my brother priests today um and that was really really good it's an awesome conversation what was the was it like a informal Hey, Archbishop, yeah. let's have lunch together. Bro, lunch. No, no. So, was there an agenda involved? No, there was no agenda, but just a chance to gather with with Archbishop. I think I I think it's awesome because he has so many things to do, right? But yeah, he got was, together with us. So and I don't mean agenda agenda in a negative way. I meant like, was there a list of things that you guys were gonna talk through? No, just that's great. Just conversation. Yeah. Was it a what was there like anything specific behind the group of priests who gathered or? No, we just, just like we kind just of a random signed up for the dates that you can oh. make it. Oh, nice! It wasn't like all the priests, but mm-hmm. over so, time, I think he's so he's just got like some dates out there, and he's like, "Hey, I want to have lunch with people who wants to sign up." Pizza yeah. with the principal. Can you? Yeah, I was gonna say it. <laughs> can you? Could you? What? How do we get access to that list of dates, and how can Scott and I sign up? Because I think it'd be really awesome. Or just eat an adjacent area to this lunch. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are here. Weird. I don't know. I think you're in touch with Archbishop's assistant, so you should. You could probably. We could probably convince. You could probably talk to her, potentially. How many? Um, where was the lunch at? Was it at like a place, or was it at like the Catholic Center? No, it was at the Archbishop's residence. Oh, at the residence. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. How many people <laughs> so drove? We have to just like tailgate in the driveway. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't work as well. <laughs> I've already said too much. How many people Where's, that came to this center? lunch? Uh, drove black cars. Mm. One. I was going to say, I know two. one that was there that didn't. <laughs> I think there were only two, maybe three. Okay. How many were Toyotas? Oh. I feel like that's a big priest car, Toyotas. Yeah, there were, there was definitely a RAV4, definitely Typical. a Tacoma. A Camry was there. I didn't, there was a Camry there. Father Peter um, was there. I drive a Ford, so there was. That's I right. There were only three four, yeah. Yeah. That's not how I typically say it. But that's what I've heard you say. 
F one fifty. You need to check your sources. <laughs> is it a crew cab? It's not. Oh. It's an extended cab. Extended cab. Super cab. XT. Super cab. Yep, that's good. I had a super cab. Does the door open backwards? It does. Yeah, those are the best. For, for no particular reason. Does the seat sideways? Remember like the little Ford Rangers that had the little side? Those are my seat? favorite. Oh, yeah. My buddy Kaz had one. I still want a Ford The Ranger. seat where you feel like you're not supposed to be able to sit in it? Yeah, it's like a jump seat in an airplane. Yeah. Like I mean, this. I'm not able to sit in that seat. I've never sat in one, but I've seen them. You're like, am I going to have to parachute out of this truck? Yeah, <laughs> yes, or... exactly. Go, exactly. go, go. I think I'd rather, rather ride in the bed of the truck than in the jump seat. Mm. That'd be more fun. All right. Don't do that at home, kids. Ready for the two-minute drill, Jeff? I am. It is confirming, and I double-checked, the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. That's what we're doing. Father was just mentioning that he listened to my episode with the Archbishop, which I won't live down, I'm sure. Um, oh, before we get started, should we say uh, hello to Mrs. Dufresne? Oh. One of our, our loyal guests. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. You're probably watching this. Yeah. Good Love you guys. Good Hi, guys. You, you guys are the best. We appreciate you. Um, what? No, uh, oh, now, now go ahead. Go to night night. Go to sleep, Mrs. Dufresne. <laughs> we know you're struggling to sleep, and that's why you're listening. We went to a birthday party with uh, Father Andy Seiberg's sister, Carrie, uh, and Father Andy was there. But we, when we were welcomed in, he, she she said, "Hi, right, thanks for come on in. You know that bald idiot over there." <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Wait, his sister said that, or his parents? His sister said that. But then we got into the conversation about parenting and podcasts, and yeah their par- parents that listen to the podcast anyway sorry that's what was, that's why i was giggling back to the borophil more like borophil <laughs> all right uh, two minute drill this sunday in ordinary time our first reading uh comes from job uh seven one four six seven anyway job's like hey listen life is a tough gig all right this like i feel like job is like this whole thing feels like a plot of a like a weird plot of a sitcom mm-hmm. where Job's just like, uh, I can't figure this out. Things are so weird. Um, what, why are we in like kind of hippie ish and like, why are we stuck in this cosmic tale that's twisting us all over the place? But remembers that like, I mean, even at the end he says, remember that my life is like the wind. So turns out Job was a hippie, uh, but he's just kind of pointing out this like crazy world that he's living in and, how he is uh, drawn the woe is me uh, drama that he's experiencing seeking the Lord response to Psalm praise the Lord who has healed, who heals the brokenhearted. Not a banger, not a banger. I don't know if it's a full mumbler. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, but it is, it's not one that people will readily remember or. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Scott. I, I, was, just thinking, I was thinking that we should have another category. That's just like, good i've said before like meh yeah it's like a meh it's mid mid yeah i yeah i don't totally know what that word means it doesn't have hit. But i like, kind of do riz. and then i said it to, yeah it doesn't have riz yes let's keep going uh i called i told i said something that my daughter did the other day was mid and she was wildly offended mm. and so i was like oh i think that's a stronger word than i thought it was so i don't know mm. anyway did we switch or, languages or was she just yeah Hebrew. <laughs> I thought you spoke Spanish. Um, That's not Spanish. You don't know what mid is? Mid is like uh, middle, mid, like 
it's just okay. Are you sure? Or so we thought. I, I yes, I asked for an explanation afterwards. Was um, she offended that you said something was mid, or is she offended that you that were I using that terminology? She, that I implied she was mid. Oh, she, like yes, her human essence was mid. Not like in total, it was something she said or okay. some action that we were talking about. Got it. I was like, you're just mid, and she was like, oh. I was like, what? I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> said. That's cap. <laughs> anyway, uh, our second reading, two two minutes. It's only two minutes. The second reading comes from First Corinthians, uh, chapter. Sorry, Mrs. Dufresne, for all this. Uh, <laughs> chapter nine. <laughs> She's asleep. Be sleep. But not yet. I haven't started talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did earlier. Um, First Corinthians, chapter nine. Uh, Paul says, "Listen, preaching is my passion." This is what I'm here to do. I love this, but it's not for personal game. I'm here to be all things for all people, but only if that is it, only with the purpose of, of spreading the message, spreading the gospel, sharing this word that, and then he talks about himself as this universal translator. Like he's the one who can, he can figure all this out. I'm, he's here to take it. I think that's why they call him. Well, I was, I was going to make the joke that you always make Scott about like the random middle name, like Scott Hollywood Williams or, you know, whatever. That's why they call me whatever. Oh, yeah. But I was like, Minus I, could, Scott I didn't. Safety Williams. Yes. But I didn't. Safety is second, not first. See? Yes. Yeah. But uh, but I didn't. I was like, I don't know what Paul's last name is. I was like, we don't know those things. So I decided it's Johnson. So I said, like, he's a universal translator, like Paul Rosetta Stone Johnson. Hmm. Anyway, there was a lot of setup for a real bad joke. But here we go. PJ. Gospel. Uh. Our gospel comes from Mark chapter 1, 29 to 39. We'll just set that joke out. <laughs> I bet we won't. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought him in to all, or they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered by the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases. He drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were Simon and those who were with him pursued him and on finding him said, "Everyone is looking for you." He told them, "Let's let us go Sorry, I just got distracted and I'll explain it later. He told them, let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. Sorry, I just realized in that that there was a Simon Says joke right in that gospel. <laughs> he said, Simon said, everyone, everyone is looking for you. I just thought it was funny. Anyway, and then I got distracted. That did not occur to me in all of my preparation. They didn't teach uh, that at seminary? I'm sure somebody made the joke at some point. All right. There's so many bad jokes in seminary. Bad joke day. There was not a, it was not limited to a day, trust me. <laughs> well, what are you preaching on this weekend? Um do I get to say if Jeff got anything wrong? Oh, I um yes. I was gonna say I didn't hear anything. Well, I wanted two things. Oh, but I, I have no authority. This is here. exciting though. I oh my goodness. I'm sorry that I 
This is your favorite part of the podcast. I know, but you nailed it, Jeff. This is the first time I've been like, "Ooh, I want to, I want to heresy." That let's go. No, no heresy. Just, I wait. Go ahead and say it, Scott. What did Jeff get anything wrong? Did Jeff? Oh, did Jeff get anything wrong? Oh, um, well, I'm gonna go with yes. Yes. So, Job being a hippie, I think we just need to. Man, we're just all blown in the wind, man. Yeah. Just maybe read Job a little bit different. Um, <laughs> what's the voice you would use? Um, <laughs> Job. <laughs> so Job was not a hippie. But second thing, I think it's entertaining to think about what St. Paul's last name is. But the first thing that came to my mind was of Tarsus is his last name. That's right? a good point. So it's like Saul of Tarsus. Mm-hmm. Was like Paul Rosetta Stone of Tarsus. Yeah, maybe Johnson worked better <laughs> for the nickname, but anyway, I don't think anything worked better for that. Those were two that. playful corrections. Thank you. Enjoy your playful corrections. Yeah. What are you preaching on this weekend? Hmm. Well, um, this is a weekend. I think I may have recorded a podcast on these readings before. Mm-hmm. Are we because, getting into a three-year cycle of repeated guests? Well, I think this is just a by chance repeating on this day because this feels like very deja vu as far as okay. reading Job and being like, boy, that's kind of a downer. And I was I was talking to another I mean, priest. We just read Job. You know, Job's out there. We were. I was talking to another priest about the readings um, Sunday night, I think. We both looked at the readings. We were like, ouch. Like, what are we supposed to do with this? Um and that happens. Like I don't want to scandalize people, but sometimes you look at the readings, you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And uh, I don't think we've done these readings before. No. Sorry. I mean, we've probably done similar ones, right? Like there's a lot of themes that roll through. I'm just sorry. I was just stuck in like, I was just trying to think. We started like right around Easter 2020, which would have been just past this in oh, yeah. cycle. So. Well, I mean, I can guarantee I'm not going to say the same thing I would have said last time. Cause I yeah, remember, go ahead. Sorry. I don't remember what it was. That's all right. But um, what Just occurred to me correction. As, I, as, I sat, <laughs> as I sat with the readings and really prayed with them, there was this thread. Like, first of all, the psalm got my attention. I know it's not a banger that, like, there's a, a melody that Ooh, comes to mind, right? But this psalm is really what got my attention first. Usually it's like the gospel. Mm. I'm just like, that's what I'm preaching on. But this, in these readings, it was the psalm because this, you know, we have all be, been before or are now in some way, like we've experienced what being brokenhearted is like, right? And what is the thing, the thing that you look for when you're brokenhearted is you know, like, what's going to make this better, mm. right? Like what's going to heal this pain? And really what Job what Job is all about is it, just it, peace and love, man. What Job is all about is is our experience of evil. Like that's what the book of Job is. The and and really there are two options when you confront the reality of evil in the world. Um, you what are can they? you can say this like these circumstances are essentially meaningless, right? They happen by chance, like good things happen to good people by chance, bad things happen to good people by chance, and it's all just random. And that eventually leads you to life is meaningless, right? That eventually leads you to uh, life sucks, then you die, right? And there's another option though, which is uh, providence, right? 
that there is meaning even in suffering mm. and that that trusting belief that god is directing you know he's not he's not sending us our suffering as punishment um, or just arbitrarily but that god can truly work all things for the good uh, and that there can be meaning in suffering and of course like it's kind of hard to miss which one of those is the christian perspective because you know the cross right mm -hmm. it's like the ultimate suffering um and yet the ultimate good right and so um i the psalm just kind of got my attention it's right there with job and you read it and you're like gosh this is a bummer and then you go to the psalm and oh the lord can heal that right the lord can heal the brokenhearted and so I, that got me thinking, that got me curious and a little more excited to preach. You know, I wasn't thinking like, man, I wish I had a deacon to just like give you, <laughs> you know, like I, I was like, no, I would like the Lord wants to say something about this this weekend. And, you know, the gospel I've been recently, when I came back from retreat, I started doing more Lexio Divina that hasn't been my go-to like meditative practice, but I started doing it again. And I started with the gospel of Mark. And what I've noticed is just the prevalence of Jesus's healing ministry. Mm. It's like, he's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. And what does that do? Everybody comes to him, right? Why? Because everyone experiences brokenness in some way and our deepest desire is to be healed. Mm. Um, and when we see someplace we can get that healing, like this is why things become popular, right? It's like, well, this healed me. And I mean, if you want people to spread the word about something, like let them have an experience of being healed or getting better, or, you know, this diet made me feel like this, right? Or this workout fixed this knee issue that I had for years, right? So mm -hmm. we, we do that and Jesus is healing. So we need to get to Jesus if we're experiencing suffering and if we want the Lord who heals the brokenhearted to heal our broken hearts, like we need to get to Jesus. Well, where do the disciples find him? Cold plunge. <laughs> Wait, I, was, I haven't been brave enough to do the cold plunge. I, I was going to say, as you said that, like it was very striking. I have, I have a friend who uh, like my wife and I will joke sometimes about like whatever she whatever is the thing she's doing or has done and had a good experience is the greatest thing anyone's ever done. And everyone needs to do that thing. And I, like she had her gallbladder out and it was like, everyone should go get their gallbladder out. This is amazing. It was life changing <laughs> for me. It was a, kind of attached to my gallbladder. Yeah. <laughs> but <-dum> <laughs> um, I told you, but bad jokes all the time, but it, there is something to be said about like, if like your goal is for other people to like experience good and experience joy and have like, if you had a really great experience and you want to share that. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know, I, I guess there's, you find that though in the same in spiritual experiences people have, right? Like when you were talking healing, I was thinking like Lords and things like that. Right. But like yeah. millions of people are drawn there because people were healed there. Right. And there's that yeah. thing or the, I even just think like the mountaintop experiences that people have of like a retreat or a spiritual, you know, like, oh my gosh, you should go do because they had an encounter. They had that a conversion of heart, right? They and and or uh, you know. Yeah, I was I was gonna say like every every retreat or every experience like has a formula and part of that formula is reconciliation and, and healing. It's like it is beauty, draw people in, like 
go deeper invitation reconciliation big piece of that and then sending forth mm-hmm. like you can't be sent forth unless you've been healed and we've all been broken in some way shape or form yeah yeah and i i think so i was all of this stuff was kind of circulating in my mind and i'm just thinking about the ways that i've experienced the lord's healing and i just came off retreat which was like five days of more silence than i usually get on a retreat which was a huge blessing and um as i looked at the gospel again um what got my attention is what jesus does right so jesus he's preaching he's healing people he's casting out demons in the synagogue and then we hear this gospel where you know people are gathered around at simon's house after jesus heals his mother-in-law this is at sundown after sundown on saturday which is the sabbath right and people are just gathered around so much so they can't even like stand by the door and look in anymore the whole town it says and so all those people are drawn there looking for healing um, and then what does jesus do early in the morning before dawn jesus wakes up and he goes to a deserted place um and we of course we know you know mark saint mark doesn't need to tell us we know that what is he doing in this deserted place? Well, he said he went to pray. Mm-hmm. He's going to have an intimate encounter with his heavenly father, right? Jesus in his human soul, you know, enjoys the vision of the heavenly father at every moment of his life, but he takes these particular moments to go off and be with the father, right? So he, uh, and that's where the disciples find him, right? And so as we're thinking about us, you know, we're, we all have broken hearts or have had our hearts broken in some way. We need healing for that. We need to go to Jesus for that. And we can't go to Capernaum and go to this house where Jesus is sitting in, mm-hmm. right? So where are we going to have this encounter with Jesus that heals us? And ultimately it's in prayer. It's like going to that deserted place and seeking that encounter with Jesus. Um, obviously, I'm a big proponent of Eucharistic adoration, and um, I I start every day uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament uh, as early as I can. And, uh, well, as early as I can right now. I could probably get up earlier. But anyway, um, like uh, Eucharistic adoration is that place for some people. For some people, it's have a little place set aside in your home to have silent prayer. But that this is really the kick that I'm on this Lent is like prayer is the most important thing. And why? Because it's where we have this healing encounter with the Lord. Because Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Yes. Because the Lord heals the brokenhearted. That's what he does. That's what he's about. And uh, what if somebody shows up and doesn't feel like it's working? Well, that's what I was just about to say. Like that doesn't mean we're going to feel something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I imagine when Simon went and he said, everybody's looking for you, what he was expecting is, oh, well, I better get back to Capernaum to go see what everybody wants. But what he got was, oh, let's go to these other towns. Like, let's not go back to the crowd. Let's not go back to the, let's keep going on, right? So he probably felt confused. Like maybe he was like wondering what's the plan here? Like there are people who who want you. Why are we going away from them, right? So that. It's not necessarily that you're going to have... He didn't do what Simon said. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you're not necessarily going to go to prayer and have these feelings that Jesus is intimately connecting with you or healing you. Um, 
And that's that's why we walk by faith and not by sight, right? And it's going to prayer, first of all, requires um, a trust. It, it requires that perspective of providence, that trust that we are loved uh, and that the Lord heals the brokenhearted. It's like, I trust you're going to do this in the way that I need it to be done in the way that like he loves us more than anybody could ever love us in our entire life. Right. And he knows us better than anyone else could ever know us. Mm. And so the healing that he wants to work in our lives will be tailored to us in the most personal and the best and most loving way we can receive it. I, this gospel reading struck me as like one of those moments where you can really see some of the humanity of Jesus because like he does go off and pray alone. But like in, in my brain, like some of that is just a, like he had like, this was just a, right. Like he heals Simon's mother-in-law and then they're like, well, let's bring him everyone that needs healed. Right. Like, and of course, like, and there's a reality that Jesus could have spent his entire ministry just healing. Like he could have probably sat in one spot and the world would have come to him to be healed. And he could have done that. But like you said, in that moment, he was like, yeah, but let's go to these other towns because the more people know about this, the more that healing can exist in the world, right? Like the more, like this healing isn't just from me. This is from my father. It's from, you know, so we need to let others know that. I don't know. I also just imagine like he was off and praying and like the, the you know, the apostles or disciples all show up and they're like, Jesus, more people. Need. And he's like, I just, can I just <laughs> get a minute? Can I? Yeah. Well, and that's interesting because um, I'm sure he wasn't, I'm sure he was, he loved that they were there and like, cause he was perfect, but like, I'm not. So I'm, I hear that and I'm like, man, he was probably having a really nice moment. <laughs> well, it's like everything flows from his relationship with the father, right? Like that's, and so the, the other way to look at this is sometimes we can just go to prayer for what we want. It's like, oh, I want healing. I'm going to go pray. And then when we don't get it, we stop, right? And I've worked with, and I've been that person before too. And um, the other reason prayer is so important um, is that we are called to be another Christ. Like the Christian, the baptized person is another Christ in a way that's different and distinct from the way like a priest is another Christ, but you're another Christ as a baptized person. And this is what Christ did. Like he's showing us the example of yes, tirelessly serving the poor, the needy, the sick, the brokenhearted, like giving yourself teaching. Mm -hmm. He's doing all of these things, um, fighting evil, but he's also taking time to be alone. Right. With the father. Right. And so we we're called to imitate that. Like you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have an encounter with Christ, you can't lead other people to that. And that's why like prayer. Yeah. This, it's, it's very strange, but where I've come, I'm kind of coming into Lent almost this year and just like, you know what the fasting, like do the bare minimum that church law requires. If you don't already pray, like if you don't already do silent prayer for 10 minutes a day, just do what the law requires. Don't even give up like chocolate or something. Like just focus on by the end of this Lent, I'm going to have a habit of praying 10 minutes hmm. every day. I like Because it's so, so foundational. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Father Meyer always advocates for 15 minutes a day is 1% of your day. Like 14 minutes is 1%. But he's like, just 
he one time said just do 15 minutes because you're not a psychopath and like but i think there's something to be said there of like it, yeah creating the habit like yeah. it is Matt. i mean i obviously i would advocate for 15 minutes for some people like it just yeah five or ten is a great start and mm-hmm. um i mean if we want to talk about what you're aiming for it's definitely be more than 10 minutes but what's a like 10 minutes with jesus is better than zero minutes with jesus for sure I once heard somebody talk about a, a way to a great way to start like going to the gym is drive to the gym for like a week. Don't even go in, just drive there at the same time, at the time that you like start training yourself that like, okay, it's not that bad. I'm going to get here. I'm going to do like, it's not that far out of my way. I'm going to get here. I'm going to, and then like start by going in and like, maybe you spend 10 minutes, but you just go in and you do it until you build that habit. I think there's something to be said there in prayer too, right? Like just, just build the habit. Like if you start with just saying in our father at the same time every day, right? Like set, set the alarm earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And I I do think that part of his example is getting up early before dawn and go like, just there are certain times of our day, no matter what our vocation is, that we're less likely to be disrupted. Mm -hmm. Um, and for for most people that's like it's just going to work better if you pray first thing in the morning and it's like giving one percent of your day it's like giving the first fruits right to god so it saint francis of sales says that our our prayer life should be tailored to our vocation and it should look different for a priest or religious than it does look for um a father or mother of a family right but um i definitely would say if people are having a hard time praying consistently like try to get it try to do it first thing in the morning i like it all right so you ready for some dumb questions oh i am they get progressively dumber today good 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 um yeah like they're sweating uh you you were sharing about your retreat you you were sharing with me before we got up here but i want you to talk about about where you go on retreat because it sounds like a really awesome place and i know you feel very strongly about it so where do you go on retreat so I go to Christ the Bridegroom Monastery uh, east of Cleveland, Ohio. Oh. So they are, the the nuns at Christ the Bridegroom are Byzantine Catholic nuns. So. Um, Didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there are Eastern churches that are in communion with Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they are a part of the, one of the Eastern churches that's in communion with Rome uh, here in the U.S. And there's a large kind of concentration of Byzantine Catholics uh, around the Cleveland area. And so that's where their monastery is. And they have just a really beautiful vocation. Like I love Eastern liturgy. And so it's great to be able to go there and pray the liturgy of the hours with them and can celebrate at the divine liturgy, which is really cool. Um, But also just the nuns themselves, like one of their, they don't really use the word charisms in the East, but that's probably the word that we would be most familiar with in the West. But one of their like particular gifts that they give to the church is uh, they're called Pustinias, little hermitages where you can go on retreat. Um, and they, they definitely have a heart for giving priests a place where you can go away. You know, Bethany for Jesus, Bethany with like Martha, Mary, Lazarus mm-hmm. was where he had his little getaway where he would be there with his friends and, that's really what Christ the bridegroom is for me as a priest. It's a huge blessing. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. They're, not, a, they're awesome. There's a Byzantine church in Indianapolis. St. Saint, uh, Saint Athanasius. That's what I thought. Yep. Cool. 
uh when you're when you're on retreat you talked about like you don't have to dive into all the details you talked about your prayer but like do you also like you get to i, I wrote retreat yourself <laughs> treat yourself um like we actually used to use that phrase in seminary oh, retreat yourself retreat yourself yeah um i'm funny that's good thank you um yeah, put your mic down so people can hear you laugh. I'm trying not to uh, drink in the microphone. I guess my question is like, so do you like, do you sleep in? Do you like take naps? Do you like, I mean, do you like, I know I a couple weekends ago, it wasn't a retreat, but I like did a guy's weekend with some friends and stuff. It was a, one of the cool things about it is like all these guys now are like, we've got kids and all this stuff. And it was a very, like, we had no plans. Like it was no, like we just hung out, people play cards. But, and like at one point, one of the guys was like, I think I'm going to take a nap. And everyone was like, hey, man, good for you. Like, that sounds like at a younger age, you would not dare take a nap, right, with a bunch of guys around because somebody messed with you. But everyone was just, like, so supportive. And he was like, and he got up. And he was like, man, I don't remember the last time I just slept like that during a day. But anyway, I was just thinking, like, I don't know, you're a priest, so you probably nap every day. But <laughs> not on Sundays. <laughs> That's the caveat you threw out there. No, I'm wondering, like, what are things that you do, like, beyond like the prayer and retreats that like to just like, you know, treat yourself when you're on these retreats. Yeah. I mean, this was a very different retreat. I, I would say typically for retreat, I try to have a very um, concrete and really set schedule. Um, I do try to get outside and like walk, uh, especially cause I take my retreat in January there's usually snow, which I love. So try to get outside, walk or hike. Like if I can get some place to hike, mm. um, Typically, a nap is a part of retreat, um, but but generally, I try to get up at my normal time uh, and pray early in the morning. And um, but this this year was very different. Like it was, I I ended up sleeping in, which very much needed to do, and it was it was a very humbling experience. Um, so it, like I went in with my my idea what it was going to be like, and Jesus just totally wrecked it, which was. I'm very grateful for that. So it's awesome. Yeah. I wish Jesus would wreck my schedule more. Well, he does anyway. Um, what, okay. Just totally changed. the subject. what's, what's your favorite food? Hmm. Probably pizza. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's... I mean, honestly, it, pizza was the one way I treated myself on retreat. Like I hadn't been outside from Sunday night until Thursday afternoon went to this local parish for adoration for a couple hours on Thursday. And then I left. I was like, there's this place that's supposed to have good pizza. And I went and got some. When you're on retreat and you go to a local parish in adoration, do you wear your cassock or do you just go incognito? And it depends. It depends on a lot of things. This, this particular time I was not wearing my cassock, but a lady actually, she was like, I could tell from a thousand miles away that you were a priest. I was like, I mean, maybe being at adoration at 3 p.m. on a weekday is a giveaway, but when you yeah, brought your I, incense or she like talked, <laughs> she like talked to me afterwards and she said, I just kind of said, was making small talk and you're sitting in the back. She, she said, hands on the way out. Oh, yeah. Like, Thanks for coming. <laughs> she said, <laughs> she said her name. And then I was like, oh, no, I've got to decide. Like, and she said, and you are, I was like, I'm Father Dufresne. She was like, I knew it. <laughs> she was like, the Holy Spirit told me. I was like, why'd you tell on me? <laughs> why'd you tell on me? But yeah, yeah no. that's what, and then you had a, and then you had a 40 minute conversation. No, actually. Yeah. 
she invited me to another parish event but yeah she was very kind probably prayed for me that's probably why my retreat was so full of grace and then you had pizza and then i had pizza yeah nice what's the best pizza place in indy depends on what you're looking for what's your favorite so my favorite favorite if i my favorite so there's different pizzas your favorite there's a time for every pizza i very much agree with you i'm not gonna um on this i very much agree my favorite is goodfellas 22 inch Mm -hmm. extra large cheese pizza just cheese you got to go to time when they're not that busy because the deck of the oven is hotter. So you is that get the one that has better... like the speakeasy in the back? Yeah. Yep. I've never eaten pizza there. Oh, you want to go? Yeah. Let's go right now. I'm hungry. Okay. We can go after this. Yeah. That'd be great. But yeah, there are different, like there's a Friday pizza. There's, there's like a Sunday afternoon it's me. It's pizza. Me. Yeah. Cheese. Uh, or cheese pizza. It's got a, it's Friday pizza has a shrimp base. No, Futuro, Futuro pizza. Futuro. Oh, have you had their yeah. pizza? The Detroit, the thin Detroit, or the Detroit style? style. Yeah, I like the tavern cheese, mm-hmm. but the Detroit style, yeah, is the go-to for Friday because it's like the the thick sourdough crust mm. with those breadsticks. The thing mm. about the breadsticks is, even a few days later, you pop them in the toaster oven and they crisp up. It's like they're new. Where's that at? That's Futuro? right oh, off side. of Washington yeah. and sixty-five. Okay. Right there by that Hardee's and but back behind where Angie's list used to be. Got it. It's very sorry. None of these are sponsors. Um no, no free ads. It's all right. This is all yeah. this is awesome. I love fat kids. So now. many this people is perfect. are <laughs> rating these pizza places right now. Yeah. Uh go. Yeah. If you go visit, tell them that all set for Sunday sent you. Yeah. And just watch them be really confused. But it'll be and please record it and send it to us. That'll yeah. be very let cool. them know that we said you can have ten percent off. Yeah, ten percent off the all set for Sunday <laughs> deal. Then tell them Father Dufresne set you. Yeah. They won't be confused anymore. <laughs> yes. They they know you. Probably. Yes. Probably. Um, all right. You have an associate pastor now. I do. Um, hey. When, Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. As this was part of the, since July. Come on, man. Um, I didn't, I didn't know. Wow. He never told me. Didn't tell me anything. <laughs> uh, I have an associate pastor. <laughs> I read, I read the criterion after announcements came out. So that's why I knew, but, um, <laughs> Uh, my question is when you, you talked about like brushing, brushing off your homily on the deacon, which was a funny joke, but that just made me think when you, when you're preaching on a weekend and your associate is also preaching and you're preaching at the same parishes, do you like collaborate on a theme? Is there any value in like collaborating on a theme or, uh, like, uh, of your homily or is it like, no dealer's choice. You just go, you figure out what you want to preach on and you go. Yeah, we, we tend to, we tend to work out our homilies separately. I'm trying to think of a time when I was an associate that we would have worked on a theme, but it, um, the way we currently have our rotation set up is that it's based on language. So see, um, if I'm preaching in Spanish, Father Oscar's preaching in English and vice versa. And so I, I actually find that helpful one, because you only have to prepare one homily. Yeah. That's um, nice for you. But two, both communities, are very culturally distinct. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, there can be a theme, but there are different images or different examples mm-hmm. or different nuances that you would put on a homily based on the the culture that you're preaching to. So we don't, we tend to work out our homily separately. I don't know if it was like this when you were at St. Luke, but at St. Luke, basically one, one priest mm-hmm. preaches 
and goes to all the masses. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not the, he just like shows up for the homily time. I've seen the same happen at uh, St. Bartholomew. Used to do that. That's, yeah. That was a, that, that was threw a pretty... me off the first time I ever saw it happen. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, I was watching really... Mass be celebrated and then like, Father I actually Clint really like it though. Because <laughs> then like everybody gets the same message that weekend. Yeah. yeah. That was part of, that was a big model like 10, 15 years ago. Mm. By the time I got ordained, that had kind of been phased out um, in a lot of places. But yeah, I think there's value to getting the same message. The tough part is, you know, for, for our two parishes, you physically couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. Because of d- two different campuses. But it's also like, even at St. Monica's, we had seven masses. Right. Like oh, to preach cool. the same homily seven times would, I never had to do that. But yeah, that, that, that would, be, that harkens. But like, if you only reminds... had to do it like every third Sunday, would that be different? Hmm. No. Okay. I was going to say when, when I was teaching, like there were semesters where I would teach like six courses and no. it's the same course six times. It was always interesting to like, even just like mentally, I could keep track of like, like when I taught at eighth period, it was like 15 minutes shorter than when I taught at first period. Right. And like, and I never knew like, were they just getting a more condensed and like better version or were they just getting less? Cause I was just tired and like, and I was confused in my own mind of what I cover and what I, and yeah, no, then I stopped teaching. So, um, we, you and I recently were talking, uh, just, we were hanging out together and cause father came to watch some dynamic girls, high school basketball. Yeah. I remember you telling um, me. Yeah. That was awesome. It was, it was a really fun and I really enjoyed it. But it sparked a conversation that we've been having with some of our priests. But, like, you talked about, like, the intentionality you put into your homily prep. We share – you've answered this question for me. But, like, how – what – you you told me – I was kind of blown away by how much time you spend in a week preparing for your homily. Yeah, so this – I want to be clear before any of the I, – I know it's, like, only priests that listen to this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. No, many of homilies, the other – like, the but, other answers we've been getting have been similar. Yeah. It just was no, – it's something I never really had dug in on. Well, I recent I don't know if I told you this. I recently had a conversion on this, but I think it's gone to um, – in in a normal week, I'm probably spending, like, 8 to 10 hours, yeah. um, which is probably about right, I think. Yeah, um, and, and you mentioned to me then that you've been writing out your homily word for word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think is is fascinating, but I appreciated like the intentionality you're putting into that and making sure that those words are. And again, like I, it was funny. I like I give him a lot of a, a lot of crap and stuff, but we asked Father Tim, who like it would like it shouldn't. It, he's a very good preacher, and I know he's a very good preacher, but I, it kind of blew me away because he expressed he was like, yeah, by the time like I like sit down and I plan this out and I map it out and then I rehearse and go through it. I probably spend six to eight hours, you know, and like, it kind of just took me back because I don't know. It was the same when you said it. Like, I think many of our, like so many, like so many good preachers who I hear they're brilliant. And I guess I just think like that comes naturally or like you just, that just, Oh, I just put this together and I have this idea and I throw it down. And, but I realized like, I don't know, it made me appreciate very much like the intentionality that goes into it rather than, like me writing a paper in college where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and knock this thing out. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You actually care what people hear. And well, that's I, a good thing. So I think double spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Change the font 0.5. Can I use courier new. I'll get some, make the, make the period lines. Yep. Yeah. Um, 14 point periods instead of 12. Mm-hmm. I really, 
I don't know, the conver- the conversion I had was just, I mean my preaching was just not where I wanted it to be quality wise like I was just consistently coming out of the weekend like could have done better could have done better and there was one weekend I listened to a couple homilies but one was by obviously these are people reading them mm-hmm. later but Saint Alphonsus Liguori and the other one was by Saint John Vianney and uh, one brilliant That's doctor quite of the a church to hold yourself to one brilliant doctor of the church one it, incredibly holy priest but not known for his like it like academic prowess right and they were both just so cogent and clear and inspiring what does cogent yeah what does cogent mean it's like clear like okay like coherent what an ironic word to use for clear <laughs> now I just hope it's that. I'm like I just love that people watching on YouTube just watch Scott and I both raise our hands. <laughs> We're just like I who do I call on yeah. first? But no, it yeah. So I was just edified by that. And I really I've started seeing the the homily less as um I think there was a little bit of that mentality from paper writing leftover, which is like, gosh, I need to finish this thing that I've gotta say. And I it's transitioned to like this is an act of love for the people that are hearing it. And that demands much more time. Awesome. How about letters to the parish in, your, in the bulletin? Did I t- did we talk yeah. about that? Gosh. The bulletin letter, it is so good for me. I don't know if anybody reads it, but it has definitely made me a little holier and a little more industrious. That's for sure. Like, But I thought it was really funny. We, we shared it before, but when you mentioned... Uh, you're like, yeah, you can tell when Father's really struggling because he's just like, here's a great quote from St. Alphonso Sigori. And I was like, I actually read a quote from Alphonso Sigori in a, in a bulletin recently. <laughs> that's really <laughs> oh, that's good. It's like, how long can I make the quote? That, yeah. All right. Father, do you think? For, do, oh, I had Father, a super dumb question, but do we need to wrap it up? We've got time for one short dumb question, but we do need to wrap it up. It's real dumb. I saw this on Twitter the other day and I just thought it was really funny. Do you, do you think Jesus is without sin is perfection. Mm -hmm. So do you think Mary had to potty train Jesus? Or you think he just figured that out? Well, we do read in scripture that Jesus grew in wisdom and virtue before men. Right. So there is some like human development that happens, even though he is fully God, he's also fully human. So um, it's possible. I don't know what I think about it. I've never thought about that question before in my life. I think about it in the sense of like, someone taught Jesus how to walk. Like somebody taught, like Jesus learned how to become a carpenter from St. Joseph. Like there's, there's things that, that like the human element of Jesus, whether I mean, he was perfect without sin, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't human development that came along with the humanity that is fully Jesus. This is part of the humility of the incarnation, right? This conversation has like, gotten way more serious than yep. I expected it to. I mean, it uh, really is. Yeah. There's a lot there. Did Jesus laugh? That's one of my other favorite. Definitely. Definitely. He was hilarious. He was hilarious. Other people laughed. But... I've seen a picture of him laughing. <laughs> All right, that's all the time we got. Father Dufresne, thank you so much for joining us. Gotta get out of here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Bye.
It's alright, cause I'm a supper. It's alright, cause I'm a supper. It's alright, cause I'm a supper Sunday.